0: Well, that song service was written for me. So if we could have our uh, young people go downstairs, Miss Ann has got a wonderful plan for you. Isn't it neat to know that every week our kids get a bedrock? Not just of information, and it's fun down there, and it's awesome to have it fun, but boy, is it good. So... If you have your Bibles, if you wanted to turn to Philippians chapter four, verses ten through twelve, and we are going to dive once again into one of the most hardest verses in Scripture. (laughs) How to be content? Anyone arrived there yet? Let's recap again. We talked yesterday about, or last week about, the secret of contentment. We started in on that, and uh, Paul gives us this. We'll start in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. How I pray to the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that pretty amazing? What a, what a uh, challenge to all of us that when we go through those hard times and difficult times, that we can truly find contentment. I uh, Contentment, we want to know the definition, don't we? What is contentment? What does it look like? One author said it like this, contentment is the inward, gracious quiet spirit that joyfully rests in God's providence pretty neat now providence is a really deep theological word isn't it it's a really big word it's it's a it's a it's providence literally means that God is in control and here's a neat thing that the heidelberg catechism says about it God's providence Is Almighty, His Almighty and ever present power, whereby, as with His hand, He still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us, not by chance, but by His fatherly hand. Isn't that neat? So we go through times in our life where we have drought. Anybody been in a drought before? God, God puts us there. In fact, when Jesus' ministry started, Jesus didn't have a big cake and they said, Wow, Jesus, you're starting out with this great thing. This is really neat. He was driven by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. That was his party to start ministry. He had a wilderness experience and all of that was driven and expressed by the Father's hand. Um, I saw that post-it note. You had a picture up there. Is that still there? You want to go back there and I want to click on that. Last week, you guys all got a post-it note, right? Last week, we had a post-it note that said what? Remember what it said? I have enough. And I I challenged you last week to uh, maybe put that somewhere to remember. It ended up on our fridge. I don't know where you first go to, but a fridge is a good place for us at our house. So fridge is a good place. But I have enough. And there is a piece that passes all understanding, understanding that I have enough. One of the things that ends up happening, yeah, isn't that cool? I have enough. Yeah. Number one is the fear of missing out. FOMO. Everyone say FOMO. Oh. Okay, FOMO became a part of the Oxford Dictionary in 2013. FOMO literally means... The fear of missing out. They said it's a phenomenon that's happened in our culture nowadays because of all the things. How many people got alerts this morning when you woke up, you had alerts on your phone? You had the alert, you know, you had the, the news, you had whatever it was, a friend, a birthday, all these kinds of alerts that come through. And you're alerted about everything, aren't you? Your reminders and alerts and you have friends and updates and all these kinds of things. But it's a real phenomenon that psychologists have gone into. Some cultural observers noted a growing phenomenon called fear of missing out. With so much information at our fingertips, we become restless wondering what our friends are doing. Whether we have emails, what is happening in politics, anything, on the other hand, that we are doing at the moment. FOMO may explain our constant connectedness, but discontentment explains FOMO. Discontent comes because we are restless, unhappy, unsatisfied, and curious. It seems that within a few decades of technological development, many can scarcely gauge in the menial tasks of life for very long without checking their phones. It's as if we're saying, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be discontent. Isn't that true with FOMO? Fear of missing out? I mean, I felt it. Has anybody ever felt FOMO before? (laughs) We we miss it. and You know, you can look back in years past and say, well, that's not necessarily a new phenomenon. You know, people maybe wanted to have more money and look at that. That's always been around. But FOMO is unique in that we have so much information in our hands. We have so many things going on and so many things that we're tethered to that we literally grow weary in our days because we see Johnny over here doing this, but I'm not doing it. I'm stuck in the mud over here. So we become discontent, and what happens is I have learned in whatever situation I am to be discontent. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're looking at the promotion that someone got and the good situation that that person's in that you're not in, and we start comparing lives, and we say things like this. Well, what about me? I'm a good person, God. Why did?" you? This person have this, and why don't I have that? Anybody ever thought about that? They, do you know, we, we kind of get into this like philosophy that if I do three good things, then three good things are going to come back to me. Do you realize how much garbage that is? Yes. Can I give you a reminder today that the Bible says that no one's good? No, not one. Right. Right. We are not deserving today of the grace of God. And so the very fact that we have the grace of God poured out on us That FOMO really settles down because we are not missing out on anything. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I heard a saying once that said it like this, if the grass is greener on the other side, start watering your own lawn. And I don't care what the grass is. It might be relational grass. It might be business grass. It might be whatever it is that you find yourself discontented. If you're looking at the other places and the other areas, you're saying, well, what about this, and what about that, and I didn't get this, and this didn't happen here, then I ask you to get your spiritual weapons in the Word of God and start watering what God has given to you. Water it! The watering of God's Word in your life. The ability for us to find contentment To get out of the fear of missing out. Folks, let me tell you something. I don't care what setback you had, you haven't missed out on anything. Do you know that? God has given you every spiritual blessing. Now what happens is, yes, we do miss out on things when we disobey everything, but everything is laid before you. He set the table up for you. In fact, what really ends up happening is Psalm 23. I was thinking about Psalm 23 this week. Let's turn there real quick. It's not in my notes, but let's turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'm excited today. Yeah. Psalm 23. And unfortunately, it's been hijacked by every funeral in America. <laughs> now, it's a beautiful funeral thing. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful expression of God being our shepherd leading us through the valleys. I get it. But when he wrote this, he wasn't writing this at his funeral or for his funeral. He was writing this for what he was going through. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect. And comfort me. You prepare a peace for me and a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Show me in goodness and unfailing love, pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, does that sound to you like a funeral message? The blessing of God will follow you everywhere you go. David declared, the psalmist declared, where can I go? I can go to the deepest parts of hell when you're there. You can go to the deepest, darkest regions of your life when you think you're alone, and God is right there staying with a bag of blessings to dump on you. He's not waiting for you to get things right. In fact, that scripture goes on to say it like this. If you can develop a mental image of this for the struggle that you're in, the discontent you feel, the frustration, the anxiety, the what about this and what about that, you can say that God sets up a table in the midst of their Wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to go over the peaceful section over there. No, he's going to set the table up right in the middle of chaos for your life to give you peace and say, say this, here's what he's going to remind you of. He's going to get you to remind you and understand that no matter the circumstance that God says, it doesn't matter your circumstances, that you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Folks, if the grass is greener on the other side... Water your own lawn. Peter had FOMO, didn't he? Fear of missing out. John 21, 20. Jesus was prophesying to him. John 21, verse 20. He started, Peter started comparison shopping. Anybody ever done that? What about this person and what about that? Jesus had just carefully restored Peter, he said, Peter, I love you, feed my sheep. He went through it three times asking that question, he went over it and over it and over it. And then he goes on to say, after all that, he says, i tell you the truth in verse 18, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked, you dressed yourself and went up wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. How many like that prophecy? And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw beside, behind them, the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned on over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? How many know misery does love company? And when we get into our situations And where we're locked down And we're, we feel locked out And we feel abandoned We start asking God the questions about people And others in situations We start to say, well what about them Lord? What about them? God's saying, what about them? He, says, he goes on to say, Jesus replied If I want him to remain alive until I return What is that to you Peter? He didn't have to explain to Peter what he was doing with John's life He's like, I has no business of yours Matthew 12, 34, if we're experiencing the fear of missing out in our life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm learning, too, to catch myself in the things I'm saying. How many are learning that really important thing that that tongue is like a rudder and you really got to hold that in place and you really have to hold pause to things and say, well, I, I can say this. But I, I don't need to say this. And folks, let me tell you something. You don't need to say everything that's on your mind. Can I turn to someone and say, please don't tell me everything on your mind. You don't need to say everything that's on your mind. You need to get your mind cleaned up is what you need. Fear of missing out in our life has caused the distractions, and we start to look at people and look at events, and we say, well, God, you didn't deal with that person how they I felt they should have been dealt with. You, you wronged me, God. Do you know, I heard one counselor say this, and it was pretty profound, and he said, you know what you need to do? And this is kind of really profound in our psychology because we don't feel like God did something right. We need to forgive God. You know that? You say, well, that doesn't make any sense how you forgive God. Well, you because many times when we need to have to project, we project it to God in the way we said things, the way we've talked to Him with our problems and complaining. We're actually blaming God for the problems that are going on in our life. That's right. Do you have FOMO today? Fear of missing out? And every psychologist will tell you this, and I will pound this from the pulpit till the day I die. With all the so-so stuff, with all the junk on our phones, let me tell you something. If you want to stay hot and after God, you are gonna to have to find the balance with your life. You are gonna to have to strike the cord, and God might call you to get out of your fear of missing out. You might be called to fast things in your life. You might have to shut things off for a while. God might say, just get rid of it altogether. It will never harm you. We don't want to hear that in church because we want to be enabled. We want to hear this kind of talk in church because we want to keep going down the same road, doing the same thing, but yet not have any change. But let me tell you something, folks. If you want to have the fear of missing out, change in your life, and realize that you have contentment, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Though I go through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. Folks, that's a beautiful thing. Don't wait till your funeral to, to say Psalm 23. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because you can proclaim today, right now, God's blessings are following me. You can proclaim that. Do You know, I do think that when we change how we talk about things, do you know also too, when you have fear of missing out, you also start to project some things in your life with other people, and people might be going through a, a hard time in their life, and how many have prejudged people before and started setting the table for them of why they're at where they're at? Has anyone ever said that before? We start to line people up, and folks, you got to shut it up. Just shut it up. Shut the valves off. Just because you're discontent in your life doesn't mean other people aren't content. And they don't need to share in your discontentment. I want to share at the table with God and the presence of enemies in my life that God is for me and He is not against me. Amen. By the way, would God still be good if things were working out alright? Is He still God? Is He still good? Is He still good when the prayer didn't get answered the way it is? And I have to struggle with this and I'm pointing all my fingers back at me. this whole message I get to point back at me. Steve, are you happy when things don't work out how you plan? Would he still be good? Is he still God to you and me? If it doesn't work out how we think, because we think because we're believers that we get a free pass of pain and suffering. We think somehow that we don't have to go through trials and tribulations. No, the Bible says God brings on the just and the unjust alike. God is still God if things didn't turn out the way we thought. Job, we don't have to turn there. I hate to use him, but he's still that poster child for this whole conversation. Don't you just want to rip Job out of the Bible? I don't like Job because, you know, when you go through tough times, you, you read all of it and you're like, wow, man, that's a tough one. Job's wife, when he went through the stuff, livestock died, kids died. Chapter after chapter, death, disease. He took clay pots and broke them off just to scrape just the blisters on his arm, just to get some relief. His wife turns to him and she says, Job, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Wow. Job declares something that is so profound from a providence standpoint. Back to that catechism we read earlier. He says, should we only accept blessings for God? Should we only accept the good things from the hand of God and never the bad? How many of you right now, you don't have to raise your hand, but has some bad stuff going on you just can't explain? And I'm not telling you just to lie down and not fight and struggle. Paul said, "No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." So this isn't just a this isn't just a well, yeah, I guess. No, Pastor Steve said, "Don't do this." I'm just going to go lay in my bed of sickness and say thank you, God. For... No, folks, it hurts. It's it's hard, and you struggle, and you. That's why God surrounds people with you to to increase the fight and the and the struggle and to go after things. But when things go on in our life that we can't explain, there comes a point where we just have to find the rest and say, can we only accept good from God and not the bad? And this is the hard part right now. How many want to be happy in here today? After this next point, everybody in this place is going to be happy. Happy. C.S. Lewis said that the presence of an unsatisfied, unabated longing would seem to indicate that we were created to be satisfied by something other than the world. You and I were born to be satisfied by something other than this world. You weren't meant to be satisfied with the money in your hand. That wasn't supposed to satisfy you. And because money has become God to many Americans... That's how come we have like hole in our pockets and it's never enough because we're serving man and not God. We weren't meant. Listen, I enjoy this life. I enjoy getting up in the morning. I enjoy opening that back kitchen window shade and I look at my dumb birds. I love my birds. Don't mess with Steve's birds. I wait there patiently for Mr. Hummingbird to come over there, absolutely amazed that God in his creativity made that thing. Oh, I enjoy this world. God said when he made this world, he said, it is good. So I don't buy into this mindset that says, well, I'm just passing through here. That's not what I'm talking about. God made you born at this time so that you would be here to bring this together. Thy kingdom come. Thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's plan for man isn't just for us just to avoid life which many of us do. We get in our Christian clubs and we avoid bad things and bad people because we want to sanitize nice presentation but God brings us into this messy world that we deal with and the pain and the problem. He says bring beauty to it you know what's amazing? What I love, I love gardening, I love landscaping, I love all those things. Do you know what's a, the, the thing that God gave Steve Lap? He gave me two hands to make have blisters put on my hands to make a garden. Yeah. He didn't say move the lilac here and this there. He said, Steve, I gave you a brain. Use the brain I gave to you. Make a beautiful garden and give me honor to it." Focus on the right happiness is the thing we all all want to be happy. Turn to someone and say, I want to be happy. What you're going to have to do today is focus on the right happiness. Seeking happiness in this life only cannot bring your life into true focus. Eric Raymond writes, left to our natural inclinations and patterns, we will always be restlessly off-center. You know, isn't it funny when you start hanging pictures one of the things I've learned from my dad, when my dad goes to a project, he doesn't just come prepared, he becomes over-prepared. How many of you want more of that in your life? Yeah. I am always under-prepared. Why would I need this? And dad's like, well, I'll go get it. Dad, you don't need your whole toolbox for this, and somehow we need a toolbox. So we end up going through life, and I'll never forget hanging pictures before I got really good about this. Don't you love those Magnetic levelers that you have at your house. They invented those. George is good at this. The, the levelers and everything and you got the big things. And you can pop it up there uh, to have that. I'll never forget. I can hang a picture and think it's pretty level, isn't it? But then when you step back a little further, if you're not using the level, then I'll get the from You think it's a little off. Isn't it funny? Our pride too will actually get frustrated. that. No, no, it's good. It's good. No, you put the level up there and the, the, the little doohickey things, yeah, has so good in our technical area. It's way over here. It's not level. So if we don't find contentment in heaven with God and the reality that we were born for eternity, that these short years that we're on in this life are not enough. One of the things that happens when I was on vacation the other week, I started growing some facial hair so I had some whiskers and they started turning into more whiskers and you could see them and we were at dinner one night and Emily looks up at me and she goes, "Dad, you have some gray whiskers." <laughs> you know, it's crazy with those gray whiskers. You know, I never would have thought when I was in high school or 18, never would have thought I'd ever have a gray hair in my head. Isn't it funny how you start thinking when you're young and you're old? Now I'm starting to get a few. So So it's important, you know, it's kind of like Michael Jordan shaves his head bald because he was starting to get a receding hairline. So now he looks great, you know, it's part of the plan. But really, the only reason Michael Jordan shaves his head is because he's receding hairline. Just a little tip there. Anyway. But folks, I'm going to give everyone a reminder in here today that everyone will have a date with death. So you're going to have to figure out today where your happiness is. Because if we can't take anything with us, then we're going to have to find out what it is I'm trying to shore up and trying to collect. As beautiful as the sun is, and the flowers, and the birds, and my wife, my kids, everything that God has blessed me with, it's never, ever enough. It never will be enough. Only our union with Christ is enough. So folks, Steve and everyone in this place has to determine what happiness that we're going to go after. What happiness are you going after? You know, the wellness buzz. I was reading a secular uh, writer, and she was talking about how wellness has replaced religion. She says it like this. One secular author writes it like this. Wellness helps fill the vacuum where religion once was. In place of religion, we now have spirituality or pseudo-spirituality. Instead of church, we do elaborate self-care Sunday rituals. We get baptized at Burning Man. We pay tithes to yoga studios. Wellness has, in many ways, become our new religion with practitioners, instructors, and coaches as our priests, imams, and rabbis. So we replace church in the body of Christ. And by the way here, I appreciate people who run out into the woods and have their time with God, but that will never ever replace what God has given, which is His church in the body of Christ for every one of us to enjoy His body. Can I get an amen? amen. TV will never replace your intertwining with the people that God has blessed you with. The $35 bath bomb filled with all the rosary stuff and all the fun things and the herbs will, wellness will never replace God. And by the way, it'd be a better investment for you not to invest the $35 on a bath bomb and invest it in some school uniforms this week. Is that a good plug there? Hey! I could do that. Which happiness, I ask today, are you chasing after? Tony Wright he writes, the choice we face today in reality, our quest for happiness is driven from our primal urge, an urge as ancient as the first man and woman, an urge that predates postmodernism, modernism, the Enlightenment, and Freud. Like every generation before, we face the same ancient choice, and it's not a choice between happiness and holiness. But between two different quests for happiness, one evil and one holy. He goes on to write it like this from Desiring God. Quest one for happiness, you guys want to hear about quest one for happiness? Is the pursuit of happiness promised by false securities and comforts and idols of our world. But it turns out to be false lies that can only grieve us in the end. In fact, let's take a look at our beautiful humanity and how many advancements we've had. Turn real quick to Romans chapter 1. Let's see how awesome our human condition is. You know, we really glorify ourselves. All our brilliance and science. and Man, we get squirrely as the moments go by, don't we? We don't know the top from the bottom, the bottom from the top anymore in this world. Romans chapter 1, 22 and 23 Let's start in verse 21, actually. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. Instead, they became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-loving God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshipped and served things God created instead of the Creator Themself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Wow. New Testament, not just Old Testament there, folks. Quest 1. The pursuit of happiness promised by false securities and comforts and idols of this world. But it turns out to be false lies. Folks, I am telling you, if you're getting your doctrine today, and many believers today, it's funny how they wrestle and intertwine with things, many believers today are getting their doctrine from pseudo-psychologists, coaches and teachers and all these kinds of things, and they haven't submitted themselves to the authority of God. They haven't even dove in to say, God, what do you feel about these issues? Quest two, by the way, this is a happiness quest that's found in God. Is true happiness found in God, a genuine delight in Him, an eternal and unending treasuring of His glory and holiness above all else? Folks, you and I, by the way, I used to love those choose-your-own-adventure books I told you about. I love those as book reports. I could get always excited about them because I knew if I did the right adventure, it might just shorten this dang book up real fast. <laughs> You must learn to choose the right happiness. And by the way, Jesus talked about happiness a lot. Turn real quick to Matthew chapter 5. What did Jesus have to say about happiness? While you're turning there, why don't everyone say, Blessed. Blessed. Alright, you've got to say it really good. Blessed. Blessed. Alright, now say, blessed. blessed. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Very... Churchy. How about, let's all say this happy. happy. Doesn't that sound funner? Happy. Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. Let's see what happiness is. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. By the way, let's look up that bless blesses word. It's macerois. It means long duration. The word is an adjective suggesting happy or supremely blessed, a condition in which congratulations are in order. It is a grace word that expresses the special joys and satisfactions granted the person who experiences salvation. Folks, let me tell you something. If you are walking in with Jesus Christ today, you have him in your heart, you have a happiness and a joy that the world could never drink up. Smoke up. Do up you have a happiness that the world can never manufacture? Turn to some of and again and say, I want to be happy. You didn't say that really too confidently. Folks, let me tell you today, you know what's beautiful? You know what's beautiful? Peter preached it. He came out on that porch, and the people asked, what must I do to be saved? And Peter said, repent. Do you want to be happy today? Let me tell you something, it's a very ancient old thing and it's still the truth today. Repent. Today, I would challenge you to actually be convicted and to actually look at yourself in the face and the things that you might be dealing with and say, God, maybe the reason I'm not happy is because I haven't given an account for the things that I am diving into in my life. I want to give my life to you to be used by you. John Calvin says it like this. That without knowing ourselves, we could not possibly come to know God. We cannot seriously aspire to Him before we begin before we begin to become displeased with ourselves. You'll never go to God until you get to the point where you're done with yourself. You'll never come to God until you said, okay, my way is not working. The things that I am doing, the things that I am going after, I don't think like God, I don't act like God. So God. Teach me to think like you. Teach me to act like you. In other words, Ray- Eric Raymond writes it like this, being repulsed by our own sin. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Isaiah 6.5, let's turn there. See, so you can't keep living the same life of discontentment and somehow God interjecting in that, and without you repenting. Isaiah had this encounter with God, and I want to read this to you because this is the place where we get to God and we realize where we are at, and we realize how holy God is and how not holy I am. He said, Then I said, It's all over, I am doomed. For I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's army. Isaiah understood that that moment of holiness when he saw God, that he was completely undone. God, I love how God inserts himself in that. And applies the coal and gives him clean lips and addresses the very issue that is bothering Isaiah. Let me tell you today: if you bring your issues before God, if you bring the ugly sins, if you bring the unforgiveness, if you bring all that before God and say, "God, I repent of this. Help me deal with me in my heart. God, convict me." He will honor that and he will bless your life. Don't wait. Don't wait. And maybe today in your pursuit of your own quest for happiness, you've been trying to find your happiness your way. And God says there is a way to happiness because you know many people in the church don't correlate holiness and happiness together, but the two blend very well because in these beatitudes, Jesus says, you're happy if you do these things, if you live like me. Folks, I'm telling you the happiest people in the world are the people that can sleep at night because they're at peace with their God and Savior. That's the happiest people. Eric Raymond goes on to write, it's very tempting to utter a quiet amen to the cultural sermons proclaimed around us. When many, many people think about sin today, they think in terms of the extreme end of the scale. Sin is what Hitler or Bin Laden did. We, in contrast, make mistakes. And our mistakes are not really that bad. And when we begin to feel the sting of sin and the weight of conviction, we are met with cultural litigators vying to represent us. We turn on the TV and see our peers doing worse things. And we watch the news and hear of those in highest offices involved in all levels of corruption. We learn of the sports heroes who are caught up in greed and selfishness. And we often talk in terms of what is right and wrong, but what is common, we all make mistakes. While that is true, Christians must guard against relativizing sin and emptying it of its meaning. Folks, let me tell you something. The thing that church will always have and the thing that we will always understand is the reason I need a Savior and you need a Savior is because of the depravity of man and that sin has stretched us as far as a as as chasm to minister and to see God. We must start to trust ourselves less. The Bible says it like this, to lean not on my own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Well, start to trust yourself a lot less today. So, wait a minute. How often do we even go to God in prayer for things that we think we've already got figured out and say, well, wait a minute, God might have a different... Hey, a plan for this. God might want to do something completely different and unique in this one. Start to trust yourselves a whole lot less this week and lean with humility into the arm of God and say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I need to hear your voice. Sandra, if you want to come up. Jesus prayed this prayer. This was Fred letter. These are good ones to think about, right? John 17:13 says, Now I am coming to you, Jesus says. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. 1 Peter 1, 8, 9 says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him, are filled with an expressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus prayed and he said, I taught them all this stuff. Why? So that they would be filled with joy. Folks, we should be excited about the times we live in and not dreading the days that we live. We should be anticipating God doing things. And I want you to think of Psalm 23 this week about how God is chasing you and me, not perfect people, around with a big old bucket of blessings that he wants to dump on us. He prayed, he taught He did all that he did so that you and I could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment. And continuing on the theme of I have enough. Max Lucado wrote this and many of us maybe want to practice this. It's a beautiful story. Max Lucado writes, be open to the possibility of a joy from heaven. Joy may be elusive, but it is never gone. Sometimes... It just takes some work. My friend Jerry has taught me the value of gratitude. He is 78 years old and regularly shoots his agent on the golf course. If I ever do the same, I need to live to be 100. His dear wife Ginger battles Parkinson's disease. What should have been a wonderful season of retirement has been marred by multiple hospital stays, medication and struggle. There are many days that she cannot keep her balance and Jerry has to be at her side. Yet Jerry never complains. He always has a smile and a joke. And he relentlessly beats me in golf. I asked Jerry his secret. He said, every morning, Ginger and I sit together and sing a hymn. I ask her what she wants to sing. And she always says, count your many blessings. So we sing. And when we get to the line that says, name them one by one, we do just that. We stop singing. And we start naming our many blessings one by one. And when we are through, recognizing the truth of those many, many blessings does much more than to relieve her pain and my anxiety than her meds could ever do. Anxiety thrives in a petri dish of if only. It doesn't survive in the world of already. For that reason, treat every anxious thought with a grateful one. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, maybe you've become ungrateful in your life, and maybe you're dipping back and forth into the fear of missing out. Maybe you look at things and people and situations and you're trying to predetermine and you're trying to judge and you never ever break out of that to find the contentment. Maybe today you're in a pursuit of happiness, but you're in pursuit of the wrong happiness. And it doesn't matter whether you've been coming to church for 20 plus years. So often we get off track in pursuit of our own happiness as opposed to the happiness that Christ longs for us to have. He wants to bless you and He wants to take care of you. He wants to satisfy you and fill you. Today, if any of those things in this moment right now are striking a chord in your heart, then the Holy Spirit might be convicting you of these things. And you say, you know what, I want to register that. Today, I don't want to raise hands and have us just sit there and pray. It said in that Psalm 23 that He anoints me. And I want to anoint you today as you go through the struggle, which we all do. And the reason I preach this is I believe it's very near and dear to my heart. And you want to be anointed today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you today so that you're not fearing of missing out anymore. And that you're in pursuit of the right happiness. Today, take a few minutes to think about that and say, you know what? I want like what Psalm 23 declares, to be anointed of God so that I can walk through the valley and shadow of death, and I will fear no evil. Today, if that's you, I'd love you to come up. I just want to pray a really short, brief prayer. Just simply anoint you today. All the things to Christ who strengthens me. We don't know how. We know where it comes from. But God, I think that even in those moments when we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, that you will even give us the right words to say, and the right things to do. But I thank you today that our quest is not a quest for the world. What good is it if we gain the whole world and lose our souls? Our quest is a happy, holy union that you blessed us with. And Lord, I pray for those who came up here to give them strength, that they will fear no harm, that you protect them. God, you protect this church from the plans of the enemy. The promises that you've given to us, God, they will be fulfilled. They will not be turned void what they were set out to do. We thank you for that, God, the sigh of relief we have today. We don't have to worry about things anymore. We can rest in your problems over our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say So good, so good. Amen. Well, I love you. Wish we could do this more often, don't you?
1: (laughs) I
0: love you. Have a good Sunday, and just have a happy day today. Have a good day.